We are Anthony and Danielle. We own a pet food store in Columbus, Ohio called Fangs and Fur that is focused on educating pet owners on feeding food nature intended for our pets. You can find us on Instagram at Fangs and Fur Pets or Facebook at Fangs and Fur. If you want to send in a question for Anthony to answer at the end of each episode, message us through our website at fangsfur.com. And if you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and leave a review. This is the Fangs and Fur Podcast. Today we're doing allergies, right? And and this is a big one. Yeah, allergies, uh, you know, because I think this is our number one issue. It's probably most likely everywhere, like everyone's number one issue. But I think especially because where we live, like in the Ohio Valley, you know, everything, all this pollen and stuff just sinks into this valley. And, and yeah, and like, it's just all these dogs. A lot of people have like, I mean, pit bulls, um, pit bulls, I would say pit bulls and like the Wheaton Terriers and what else are some major ones? Um, I mean, everyone's dog. I think a lot of times my customers, I have a lot of, a lot of customers that come in and they have like this whole rap sheet of, of things that they think are potentially allergic or causing reactions in their dog. Um, and I, you know, we, that it's a tough, it's tough for me because we try to, you know, find a diet that's going to meet all these requirements. Requirements, And yeah. to me, in my head, it's always like, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, I know that I think it's, you know, the, the environmental allergy tests are maybe like 40% accurate and the food is around 20% accurate, maybe. So it's like, I, I think sometimes they can be maybe a good starting point. Like those red, I think they put them in red, you know, the ones that are really, um, yeah. there's some kind there's something going on there. Um, yeah. those are the ones we try to stay away from, but you know, um, that's like the first challenge for most people is, is you seeing these allergy tests and it's like, what do we do now? Okay, yeah. So today. what do we do? So wait, people come in with these, these long, you know, laundry list of, of allergens that, um, that their pets have. And it's like, where, where do we go from there? Yeah. So I think the first thing that people have to understand is, you know, the accuracy of them, you mm -hmm. know, are they really accurate? Um, and the next thing is a lot of times it's not really allergies, it's more reactivity, right? Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, you know, figuring out, is my animal really allergic to this? Or are they, are they sensitive or reactive to it? Because they're very, they are very different. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter that much because when I would get tests like that, or I would do, you know, I would send the saliva test to Gene Dodds and things like that at my, at my hospital. Um, the reason that I did it is not to go, okay, so for the rest of your animal's life, it can't have beef, right? Or right. For the rest of your animal's life, like, like when it's like, truthfully, when it's food, it's easier initially easier to deal with than if it's environmental because it's really hard to stop environmental stuff right because mm -hmm. they're in it how do you how do you how do you stop grass from growing or sure. leaves falling things like that so you got to get up and move exactly a different state somewhere else <laughs> yeah, easy <laughs> uh, exactly so so i think I think that the mindset needs to, I think it should be more of an understanding, right? So remember, I always say to you, we're bombarded with information, but we lack, we lack understanding, huge 
we, you know, we have all of this papers and blood tests and sensitivities, you know, all of this stuff, but we really don't have the understanding of now, what do we do? Because what I have found at my hospital is that the people that go, okay, they can't have beef, they can't have this, they have to be careful with this and we have to be careful with that. And that's how we're going to manage these allergies. But then six months later, two years later, one month later, one year later, three years later, they're allergic to like and reactive and sensitive to 16 more things Mm -hmm. because you haven't stopped the overreactive process, the immune reactive process or over or, um, you know, autoimmune process of what's actually happening to the body. So you kind of have to, there's, there's a lot of different plays here. There's like, okay, so here's what they're sensitive to. What's going on with them where they're out of balance so much and how do we bring them back to balance? Right. Right. So there's a bunch of things that have to come into play at the same time. And I would always try and remove what I could initially just to give the animal some reprieve from itching. Not because I'm like, okay, I'm going to remove this stuff and then everything's honky dory and we can just go on and life's going to be perfect because that's exactly what doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, so you, you remove as much as you can of what they're allergic to or what they're sensitive or reactive to just to allow the body to try to be less in high alert, right? Just give it a rest. Yeah. I was like, um, what is there's, um, been, I was going to ask you this some at some point in this podcast. There's like a a name for like a threshold, like an allergy threshold. I think it starts with a P. I can never think of the name of it, but essentially, there's like this. Um, this is how I was kind of taught that there's like this threshold that humans, animals, mammals have that like we have all these sensitivities, and then once it goes over that threshold, then we start seeing symptoms or reactions. Um, so I don't know, kind of like to what you were talking about with like kind of removing some of these things that are causing these. Increasing reactions. the threshold. Or yeah, like we're trying to get below that yeah. threshold so that we're not, we're giving that animal some relief. Yes, yeah, for sure. And and just removing, um, you know, in homeopathy, it's called obstacle to cure, right? So mm, yeah. if, if, you're, if you're trying to treat someone back in the day, like, you know, 100, over 100 years ago, or 200 years ago where, where, you know, they maybe have asthma and you're giving homeopathic remedies to, you know, help cure the asthma, but they keep living in a basement that's full of mold or a dank basement. Mm. It's like, if you're going to keep living in this, it's going to be very hard. You might, we might be able to manage your symptoms, but we're not going to be able to cure you or, or get you to a place where you're in a much better uh, health position. Right. Yep. So I, I think that, and you know this these thresholds and stuff. Um, I I I understand. I know what you're talking about, but I I feel like we also because allergies are such a um, I think they're one of the hardest things to watch. So 
the whole reason that I started the leaky gut protocol to begin with was one of our first, which was a little crazy to do was, you know, here we are, we're a door, brand new company. I'm coming out with a leaky gut protocol. People didn't even know what leaky gut was. I was going to say, most people didn't know what that at that time. They didn't, yeah. they didn't know what it was. And, um, um, the reason that I did that was because I felt like I went to a, a I would, I did a lecture at a homeopathic vet conference in the States and they had a, no, it actually was the, the holistic conference and they had a, um, a vet there from the, one of the big, big SBCs. And she was saying that, and I was shocked, like this was 20, 25 years ago. And even back then she said that skin disease was the number one elected euthanasia reason for elected yeah. euthanasia. So cancer was the number one cause of death, like mm -hmm. disease. And, um, but skin disease was the number one reason for elected euthanasia. And I was, you know, shocked and appalled and thinking, oh my God, like we got to do something about this. And then I started really digging into all this stuff because I was seeing it tons at my clinic too, you know, and it, 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 and I think it's one of the hardest things to watch because it's just relentless. Yeah. You know, like when you watch your animal, it, 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 chew, 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 you know, almost like self mutilating each other, each itself. Mm. It, um, it, it creates such anxiety, you know, because you want to stop it. Yeah. And I have a lot of empathy for people that run out and just get atopica or steroids or whatever because they just can't handle watching their animals suffer. I get it. Yeah. You know, I, I, I really get it. So, um, when been, it comes, I've been through it with Mozzie when we moved back to Ohio, I thought I was going to have to like, I, I remember having the conversation with my wife being like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like either we have to move or like, I have to find another home for him. Cause he can't, he had, I think, well, this is a long story, but anyways, he, he was doing really bad in the environment, in this environment. And he never yeah. had any issues. He was, I think, six or seven at the time and never had any issues. Anyways, it was just so stressful. And I was opening the shop at the same time. So I think my stress was kind of rubbing off on him. Um, actually, chimed, I chimed in on one of your lives one time and I was asking you about it. Um, and you really helped. You're, <laughs> I, think, I think he was starting to get a lot better at that point. And you're like, wow, like you've, you figured it out. That's amazing. Because <laughs> a lot of times it's, you know, people might not, to your point, a lot of times people don't figure it out, you know, or it's yeah. not figured out. So, yeah, anyways, and it's hard, it's really hard to watch, and it increases your anxiety. And if you've got kids and you're, you know, busy, and it's like just like it's brutal, you know, and it's really sad because sometimes they get stinky. So then they get, they get sort of, you know, pushed away from the pack, ostracized, the yeah, ostracized, yeah. you know, and then that increases their stress level, which just increases their cortisol, which increases the whole thing. Mm -hmm. It's just this vicious circle. So when, so in general, it's like I always say, it's awesome to get diagnostics. It's awesome to have some kind of information, but just don't get lost in the weeds. Okay. You know, like just don't go down that, you know, well, it's about this and it's about that and you can do this and we can do that. It's like, okay, step back and have for me was that was a, like, what can I, what can I do? What, what tools do I have and what can I do to reduce the inflammation and the sensitivity fast so that so that the animal can have some reprieve right mm -hmm. so that is like things like 
putting cotton sheets on your couch, putting cotton um, terry cloth towels down where they sleep, get them off of anything synthetic, make sure that they're not on anything that has like fire retardants, you know, any, any, anything like that, because what happens is that they've proven from a microbiome perspective that pathogenic bacteria and yeast exponentially grow on synthetics because they lack the ability to breathe, Mm. right? They don't, they don't breathe. Whereas cottons and, you know, hemp and things like that, they breathe. So when an animal's on that, then it can actually help to produce more beneficial topical microbiome bacteria that helps to protect, protect the skin environmentally, right? We're talking about environmental stuff now, right? Yep. Um, and and reduces the the layered uh, the layered um, environmental toxicities and environmental um, you know like you were saying environmental threshold right it reduces the environmental threshold for over thirty years Northwest Naturals has been manufacturing the highest quality raw frozen pet foods in Portland Oregon in order to give your pets the very best you need to feed them a complete and balanced diet like Northwest Naturals. Northwest Naturals comes in convenient packaging, easy to open, easy to store, and easy to thaw and serve to your pets. Find out more in our podcast show notes. This is Dr. Jim Carlson. We look forward to seeing you at Lifetime Pet Wellness Center. We have a friendly, professional team and offer conventional medicine, dentistry, and surgery, as well as integrative options such as acupuncture, chiropractics, nutritional medicine, Chinese herbal medicine, homeopathy, and more. We emphasize fresh foods because you wouldn't want to eat processed food every day, right? Visit us at LifetimePetWellness.com, Instagram, or Facebook, or give us a call at 614-888-2100. So let's say your dog is allergic to, I don't know, some kind of grass. And then it comes in and it lies on something with a fire retardant, right? So we talked about those cosmetics, you know, like you have one low on the carcinogenic table, then you add another one that's low on the carcinogenic table, then you add another one that's low on the car. And then that accumulation, that effect is highly carcinogenic, Yeah, right? It's the same with the threshold with the skin. So you go outside, they're sensitive to some grasses, pollens, whatever, then they come back in and then they lie down and then the body and the skin is dealing with fire retardants and synthetics and all this kind of stuff, right? Febreze, fabric softeners like yeah. they are like huge huge no-nos with everything from hormone disruptors with your own bodies and right. your dog's body but plug-ins and uh diffusers and all these things yeah candles candles, candles, candles yeah. Synthetic, right um but then but when your animal's lying on your rug and and your rug has whatever in it or your couch has whatever in it it, 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 it increases that threshold you're talking about, right? Yeah. So they're not just trying to deal with the things they're sensitive to outside. Then they have to come inside and deal with the stuff that they're lying on. And they're not, and they don't have a, um, they don't have like a cotton t-shirt that's, that's helping them with a barrier, right? right? Where they're leaning against the couch and they've got a cotton t-shirt that's in between the couch and, and their body. Mm-hmm. They don't have that, right? They're, they're direct. So, you know, 
it doesn't sound like a big deal, but it's a big deal. It's yeah. a very big deal because we wash them and we clean them and we use all of these soaps and we do all of that. But the first thing from environmental allergies that we need to do is we need to strengthen the mic the microbiome of the skin, right? We really need to do that. And how we do that is by not destroying it, by cleaning it with, you know, anti-yeast soaps and different kinds of shampoos and, and things like that. We, we need to try to really like rain back with that and, and do, um, you know, just, you know, probi like, like actual probiotics and do, you know, masks and stuff with probiotics and then just rinse them off with clear water and like green tea or clear water and chamomile tea or things like that, just to yeah. calm it down and clean it. That's a good, we can yeah. add that link because you guys have a link, I believe, like a good recipe yeah. for the uh, skin masks. Yeah, we do. Then I always talk about trans, tr um, cross-transferring uh, bacteria, right? Mm -hmm. So like before you jump in a shower, you take, I know it sounds crazy. And people thought when I first talked about this, like I think four years ago, people thought I was insane, but we want to, you know, we talk about diversity, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So we cross, we, we, we cross species transplant bacteria with our animals constantly. Yeah. And um, so before you get into a shower um, and then even after you come out of the shower, but, but then you're wet and then your towels are wet. But before you get in, take a towel and, and rub it on your skin so that you're actually taking the bacteria from your skin. And then you put it down on, for your dog, right? On the floor or your cat. You put that towel um, down. Interesting. And then the dog lies on the towel and it creates a more diverse bacteria mm -hmm. for their skin. Or you can even rub it on their skin. Right. Like you can rub it on right on on them. Oh, interesting. So you're you're transferring your bacteria onto your dog's bacteria to your dog's bacteria. Yeah. I was just gonna ask like what you do for your dogs, cats, like bedding and stuff like that, areas where they lay. Just curious. Where they sleep? Yeah. Oh, my house is on your bed. On. Yeah. <laughs> my dogs sleep on my bed. My dogs yeah. and cats sleep everywhere at my house, but my house right. is like stupid green. Yeah. Like, uh, like I, I, so like 100% cotton, no fire retardants on it or anything like no that. No fire retardants. Not all, not always 100% cotton. Like it's almost, it's really hard to get. Is, yeah. But, um, my couches are usually like my, my couch downstairs has always got a sheet on it mm. because unless I have company over and I take it off, yeah. but it always has a different sheet put on it because my dogs are running around in horse manure and yeah. whatever. And then they're coming right. in and jumping on my couch and then there's horse manure all over my couch and stuff. Yeah. So, um, but even if I took the blanket off, I don't have, I'm anal about yeah. any kind of material in my house. I don't use any cleaners. I don't use any fabric softeners. I don't use anything like that. I just yeah. use everything, either essential oils, but even that I'm, I'm leery of now because I don't think it's very good for the environment. Um, so I just use different, um, you know, I just use different sheets and different like for cleaning. I usually use apple cider vinegar. Yeah. Uh, is my my real go-to or oxygen bleach I, I use like an oxy bleach yeah or baking soda like i don't i don't use um i don't use anything chemical yeah. at all yeah so that way i'm lucky but 
not everybody can do that. Right. And I'm sensitive to that. Yeah. Like it takes a lot of time and energy and arguing with, you know, furniture people and bug people <laughs> stuff. While yeah. I was going to say, I don't even think you can buy a couch or something like that without, I, no. I could be wrong about this, but I'm assuming they all have some kind of regulation where they have to put fire retardant on it. Right. Unless right. you have a couch cover made or unless you yeah. have your couch made and right. you choose the, and you choose the fabric by itself mm-hmm. that's come from somewhere else like India or somewhere yeah. where, they, where they're making them without it. Um, mm. But it's hard. It's harder and harder yeah. and harder and harder every single year. So, you know, the, like it doesn't sound like a lot, but when you're talking about that threshold, it makes a big difference sure. because you're you're instead of going, eh, 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 you're like doing this, right? You're, mm-hmm. you're taking more and more and more away. And that stuff that you're taking away is actually beneficial for your own family's health. It's yeah. not just, it's just for your animal, right? It's, it's in general, like not using Febreze and not using chemical cleaners and not having, you know, putting, going and buying a really pretty sheet and putting it over your couch and then taking, take it off when you have company or whatever, it's fine. But if your kids and you're lying on the couch, just go and buy a really beautiful sh- couple, really pretty sheets. And yeah, it's and, a great idea, actually. You no, know, like my dogs do use, the same thing. So, yeah. So then, then the next, then the next thing is, so you're, you're paying attention to the skin microbiome. Then from a perspective of like environmental allergies and stuff like that, and just skin health and then food allergies, you want to, you want to um, address that by initially, again, trying to reduce the overreactivity as much as you possibly can. And that's, you know, taking out specific proteins or specific vegetables that they're that they're sensitive to to start and what i do and everyone tells me that this is a no-no but it's 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 worked for me for many 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 years of my practice and i think it's because i do other things right so it's i'm not just doing diet i'm doing diet i'm doing homeopathy i'm doing gut health I'm doing a lot of different things. So for me, I only put them, I just put them on one protein for a while, right? Yeah. Because I, I'm so afraid that they're going to become sensitive to, I th- until I can look at them and go, okay, we have their immune modulation. We, we, we've modulated their immune system now. So now I'm not concerned about putting different proteins in and then them becoming reactive or allergic to those. I'm highly sensitive to try and prevent them from creating more allergies to the point where, because someone's like, oh, it's really bad for them just to be on one protein. I get it. I get it. And I agree. But what's worse, having them on one protein for a little bit until you can get them balanced and then adding different kinds of proteins or mixing the proteins while they're still so out of balance that then you wind up with the four proteins that they're not allergic to that they are become allergic or sensitive to. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So do I, you, I, um, I, do you start like, are do you, would you start with like cooling proteins? Like if you're not really sure what's going on, do you start with like some novel or cooling proteins first or how do you, I do. That? Yeah. I do. Yeah. And Rita Hogan has some good, um, on her site, she's got some good, I think she even has, I think we may even have a blog we can ask Emily 
um, about what's cooling, what's warming and what's neutral. So if you really don't know how to tell whether or not your dog is, you know, like damp, hot, cold, all of that stuff, which is not my wheelhouse. Yeah. Um, it, you can, you do a more of a neutral one, you know, yeah. which is, which is, you know, things often like that they're allergic to like poultries and, and, um, I think, uh, beef even is fairly neutral. Yeah. So, but there there's Rita Hogan has some good information about how to tell what's cooling and what's, what's not and what's neutral. So, and, and one that's obviously not on their list of allergens or sensitivity. Sure. Right. Yep. So, but if people haven't done that, then you just go through, you know, have they ever had this? Have they ever had that? Have they ever had this? Have they ever had that? And find one that you're pretty convinced that they've never had and start with that novel protein. Oh. Um, and so you, you do that and yeah. then you go, all right, why do they even have these sensitivities to begin with? You know, like, so we go, what can we remove to decrease the reactivity from sheets to the topical microbiome to, you know, transferring your bacteria to theirs to, and then to food and also water, right? Like making like, are you, are you giving them tap water? And does your tap water have chlorine in it? Does it have fluoride in it? Does yeah. it have this? Does it have that? Getting them off of all of that, right? Getting them just on like somehow if you can spring water or if you can go to a spring or whatever and get and get water. It's so hard. Water. It's so hard to, uh, it's hard to find water filters that will take out some of this. <laughs> like here in the States, like it's, they put all that stuff and more in it in it right so like the fluoride and then so i've looked into that like looking to buy filters that will filter out the fluoride and like most of them don't which is very in, it's i don't think the government cares that much about our teeth i don't know why they well first of all it doesn't do anything no it's i know a, i know i'm just being uh sarcastic i guess but um yeah yeah that and there's what's the other one atrazine or uh i can't remember but anyways there's some really bad ones that they put in there we don't really know why but yeah. A lot of the filters, and then you buy these filters, really expensive, but they don't even filter those things out. No. So that's a challenge, but. It is a challenge. Everything's a challenge. I mean, I think it, it, it's a challenge, but I try to look at it like, and I would always tell my my customer or my clients that, mm -hmm. that um, you know, if you're, if you're doing that, if you're doing that for your animal, you're just enhancing your own health and your children's health and your, yeah. you know, your partner's health. It's not a waste to do it, or it's just an eye-opening experience of sometimes how hard it is to, to, to keep ourselves healthy, even, you know, from yeah. that perspective. So once we do that, then I, then the next thing that I always do two things is obviously gut health. And the other one is homeopathy because it is, it is, it can be life-saving when it comes to skin disease. And um, we have a really good, um, but you know what? I don't know whether it's after the podcast, I'll, I'll get yeah. Mariana to look at a bunch of stuff for you, Okay, but Perfect. some really good, like in our, in our um, 
um, yeast beast protocol, right? Yeah. So there's the homeopathic remedy, and that's really to help reduce itching, to help to help give some, um, you know, some reprieve to that to that stress and that itching. So there's a lot of great homeopathic remedies, like or even our remedy, like called your go-to when a dog is super, super stressed about, you know, when they're itching and itching and itching and itching and they've just got themselves in a state, the go-to really helps a lot. It helps with the trauma of them scratching because look, this is what happens that they itch themselves or they chew themselves because they're itchy, internally itchy, but then they, they traumatize their skin and then they get secondary staphylococcus usually, right? So then they get they get a bacteria, pathogenic bacteria on top of their skin where they traumatize their skin. And then that creates a different itch, mm-hmm. right? And then that's yeah. why they go on antibiotics and then they go on steroids and then they go on all of this stuff because, you know, the antibiotics, because, because of the secondary staphylococcus that they usually, or staph infection that they usually get from chewing, then they go on on a steroid to try to decrease their immune system, but then they also, but then they may have to go back on antibiotics because that decreases their immune system too much. And then they get the, the infections on their skin gets worse. And it's just this crazy circle, right? We are so proud of our sponsor today. Our friends at Steve's Real Food who help make the fangs and fur podcast come true. Anthony, what do you like best about Steve's? They're whole food ingredients. They don't use any synthetics and it's real simple. When they come into Fangs and Fur, I'll always pull out a box of Steve's Real Food and I'll show them what's in their food. So come into our shop to learn more about Steve's from Anthony or visit stevesrealfood.com. All right, all right. So how did Girls Gone Raw Pet Health get started? Well, you know, it spent my whole life watching our dogs suffer from chronic yeast infections, arthritis, GI issues, and cancer. After finishing my veterinary science degree and working in the pet food industry for a while, I was exhausted by all the BS and misinformation being fed to pets and pet owners, and I decided to take a stand on it. My mission from the beginning has been to be transparent, be a reliable source of nutrition education, and only use ingredients that actually benefit our pet carnivores. That's amazing. It's amazing because it's, it's just hard to sort out the good from the sketchy in the pet food realm. Pet owners, just, they just want to know what's best for the animals. Yeah, you know, and that's exactly why we use our social platforms to educate rather than advertise and to work with amazing health-focused independent pet retailers like Fangs and Fur all over the country. We want to help pet owners feel confident about what they're giving their pets and empower them to boost their pet's health and longevity to its full potential. So get fresh and go raw with us. Follow us on social media at Girls Gone Raw Pet Health or check us out online at girlsgonerawpet.com to see our small batch dehydrated treats and chews and to get tips on how you can improve your pet's health naturally. So... So I think that that remedies like our go-to or remedies like um, uh, Nux vomica, Arsenicum, uh, Graphites, there's there's lots of remedies out there homeopathically that you can use to help to help with itch sulfur. You just have to be really careful with sulfur that you've chosen sulfur for the right reason. Uh, so I would suggest for people to look at Don Hamilton has a really good book on, on homeopathy for pets, um, for skin stuff. Homeopathy is not hard to get. It's really inexpensive, like to buy. It's not Mm -hmm. like, it's not a big, um, uh, investment, you know, it's anywhere from eight to $12 for a little vial. And that vial would last you forever. You just, just remember that on the vial, it says, 
I think it usually says anywhere from six to eight pellets. And what I tell people to do is take, take three, four pellets, put it in a glass of water and then let it dissolve. And then you can get a syringe and use that glass of water for three days. So then you're only going through three or four pellets over three days instead of four to eight pellets three times a day, you know, so the little, yeah, the little while lasts you a really, really long time. Yeah. Um, So, you know, doing things that, that help to decrease that intense itching and and homeopathy is a good one. CBD can sometimes help just chill them out, you know, because they just get themselves in such a state. It almost becomes almost compulsive, right? Like there's that real fine line. Oh yeah. I see that. Yeah. I've seen that tons and tons of times. Um, And then uh, you know, things like quercetin, things like quercetin is really good. If you're, uh, know that your dog isn't going, isn't too hot for quercetin. Cause sometimes it can, it's too hot. Ginger can be too hot. Mm-hmm. You know, just be careful of using herbs that heat your dog up, you know, yeah. or your cat up, but you know, a, a big one, Tumer- you know, is turmeric maybe is that another yeah, hot one? That's another hot one too, yeah. right? So yep. a lot of the anti-inflammatories, uh, interestingly enough, are are um, very um, very heating. Yeah. But a really good homeopathic remedy, though, that you can buy is called histaminum, and it literally is homeopathic histamine. So it's like giving them an antihistamine a little bit, only it's homeopathic. And I would get a twelve C or a thirty C, no higher than that. And you can give that to them, you know, twice a day for a week and then um, once a day for another week and just see if it uh, see if it helps. Uh, if you did that along with go to that can sometimes be a real, real game changer. And then uh, is it so little- so like histamine isn't that but that would like increase. How does that how's the homeopathic work with that? So homeopathy is based on likes, cures, likes. Uh-huh. So you give what would make that symptom happen. So let's say you got stung by a bee. Yeah. I would give you apis. And apis is okay. bee venom. Yeah. It actually, so what happens is you give, you give something in an energetic, on an energetic level, because it's mm-hmm. no longer a crude substance, right? Yeah. So you, you give it, <clears throat> homeopath, homeopaths believe that if the body receives information in a way that it can understand mm-hmm. it responds i get it so it doesn't react it yeah. responds it responds amounts right. amounts of a response, response to that yeah so if i give you apis you get sung by a bee mm-hmm. i give you apis and your body goes okay i clearly see what i have to do now you know it it, it just it's almost like a clear roadmap to where it needs to go. Whereas a chemical like an antihistamine suppresses it. It doesn't, it doesn't allow the body to respond. Yeah. It suppresses it. It's an antihistamine. Suppresses a response. Yeah. That's interesting. So that, that like the bee venom, is it just like a diluted bee venom? Is that what it is? Really diluted. Really diluted. Like if you were to, if you were to go to, and that's why homeopathy gets such a hard, like such a hard, um, oh, it's quackery. It's this, it's that, you know? And, and because if you were to look at her under a microscope, you would need, you would see no bee venom. 
Mm. It's that it's that dilute, mm-hmm. right? There's there's you can't you can't see it, um, but the way it's been succussed and and produced, it the energy remains in there. Yeah, and you know, oh, for people that think that homeopathy is is crazy, I can tell you, you know, treating thirty five thousand animals in my career, and having you know some of the largest licensed integrative veterinary hospitals around mm-hmm. um you can't you can't it can't be um placebo when you know a dog comes in and it's got you know hemorrhagic gastritis which is life-threatening and they're it's like they're pouring out blood from their yeah. anus yeah and it is seriously life-threatening mm-hmm. and we put them on iv fluids and give them remedies and within a very short period of time they're 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 not bleeding anymore you know or you're you know i'm i'm, I'm working with an animal with like pseudomonious bacteria in their bladder we've done you know um uh we've done cystocentesis so we make so that we know for sure that that's exact in cultures and everything we know that's the exact bacteria for that for that animal which is a really hard one to treat even with drugs yeah and then we treat it sometimes with the pseudomonious bacteria homeopathically. Yeah. Retail, we retest the urine and the bacteria is gone. Like you can't fake that stuff. Right. Well, and, and especially I mean, not with a dog. I mean, the placebo effect well, doesn't really exist. Saying. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And you can't fake it with blood work and you can't fake it with x-rays and you can't fake it with an ultrasound. And you can't fake it with, you know, a urinalysis and you can't fake it with a culture and sensitivity. Right. Like, right. So I think homeopathy gets the hardest rap of every other modality of medicine because, you know, I'm probably going to get, you know, really slammed when I say this because it it is it works so fast and it's so efficient. In many, 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 many situations, it can completely replace conventional medicine mm. in many situations, you know, like in our clinic, Jardia. We treated Jardia with it. We treated ear infections. We treated bladder infections. We treated, and when I say treated, we didn't just treat them and say, okay, see you later. We did all the follow-up diagnostics, you know, everything that we needed to do to be sure that it was completely cleared. Yeah. So it is really powerful. It's really, really powerful medicine. And it's so gentle and it's so effective and it's just incredible. It's incredible. Yeah, so, I... um. I don't, this isn't homeopathic, but I see this in like conventional medicine where they do um, like uh, where they microdose into the immune system. I actually did that with Mozzie and it seemed to work really well. And they, so, so they, they, they do a test, right? And they, a blood test and what he's like allergic to uh, as far as, you know, pollens or whatever. And then there's vial A, vial B, vial C, and they, they get more concentrated with every bottle. It's just like yeah. letting the immune system know, Hey, this much is okay. Hey, this much is okay. So and that, can work, that can yeah. work sometimes like from that perspective, but you still have to always, in my opinion, this is always just my opinion. Yeah. Get down to the core of why it happened to begin with. Yeah. Right. Like you can, you can stimulate the body into learning how to react less or become more accustomed to it. Uh, or non-reactive to it, but why did it happen? 
you know, like you talk about the floods, like we had really, really, really horrible floods here where Canada's not used to having floods. After the and, fire, uh, after the fires. Yeah, yeah we have sense. really bad ones. What happens in California like every year. Yeah. Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah. And, um, um, and, you know, everybody's running around freaking out about infrastructure and it has to happen. Infrastructure is going to have to happen. But we, if we aren't looking at why it's happening, all the infrastructure in the world isn't going to help us, right? Like, what, what's, what's the core reason? Like, why is this? Why is this happening? Like, what do we? What can we do to to dig in even deeper? So I look at it's really it's really interesting because I I feel like we're so connected. Like the 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 the, re, the way the world is losing her homeostasis. I look. That's how I look at with animals when I, when I was, when I was working with animals at my practice, it's like, okay, what's happening to this animal? What's happening to this body that it's losing its ability to maintain its homeostasis. And how do we, how do we get that back? How do we reestablish its homeostasis? And I think that's what we need to do with the environment, right? It's like, how do we, we need to, we need to stop and figure out how we just allow it to, to, regain its homeostasis hmm. i mean with the world we just need to leave it alone that's my honest opinion yeah like we just and and, and she'll do it herself mm-hmm. and the interesting thing about you know our bodies and our animals bodies is it's similar but we don't we just don't have the tools to just do it ourselves well we do but we, we we have to learn them a little bit more you know like yeah. diet and homeopathy and you know different kinds of herbs and lifestyle and water and you know, and all of that so you know i i think that the, that's the cool thing about homeopathy is you don't have to worry about it being you know having side effects you don't have to worry about it being contraindicated with drugs which is huge right yeah. like you don't have to worry like if i give this herb is it going to be contraindicated with atopica because he's on atopica mm-hmm. right or 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 whatever um, homeopathy can go with everything from chemotherapy to immune suppressive drugs to, to whatever. Your dog or cat is a member of your family. You want the very best for each and every member of your family, and that extends right down to the food that they eat. For over 30 years, Northwest Naturals has been manufacturing the highest quality raw frozen pet foods in Portland, Oregon. For you, the pet owner, Northwest Naturals comes in convenient packaging, easy to open, easy to store, and easy to thaw and serve to your pets. Quality ingredients, food safety, and the highest standards for manufacturing practices are what make Northwest Naturals the best complete and balanced raw food for your pet. Find out more in our podcast show notes. This is Dr. Jim Carlson. We look forward to seeing you at Lifetime Pet Wellness Center. We have a friendly professional team and offer conventional medicine, dentistry, and surgery, as well as integrative options such as acupuncture, chiropractics, nutritional medicine, Chinese herbal medicine, homeopathy, and more. We emphasize fresh foods because you wouldn't want to eat processed food every day, right? Visit us at LifetimePetWellness.com, Instagram, or Facebook, or give us a call at 614-888-2100. But when you talked about microdosing, that is something I wanted to talk about today because it's really important. So I can either talk about it now or I can talk about it after I talk about gut health. What would you rather me do? We can talk about it now. I was I was just thinking about the whole. I, it's a very it's such an interesting way of thinking about things because I I feel like our society is so like it's okay. There's this is happening, so we need to go against that instead of 
with homeopathy is like educating the immune system or the body to deal with it. I just, I've never, yeah, it's just a, it makes complete sense. You know, and what it's doing, it's not, it, it it's not even educating. It's showing, right? Like we, I believe truthfully, I believe wholeheartedly. And so do homeopaths that, that our bodies have the in, innate intelligence to know what to do. Sure. Right. Yeah. And, um, and I, and, and so does the environment. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it, when we screw up so much is when we think we're smarter and we can tell mother earth how to fix herself and yeah. how, and what we need to do to our bodies. Yeah. So I think we need to, homeopathy is super cool that way because it's like, okay, well, I'm just going to give you what I'm going to give you the sort of like the exact things of the symptoms that you're producing. Mm-hmm. Cause we believe that the symptoms, we believe symptoms are a language. And if you suppress the symptoms is when you get into deep doo-doo, right? Mm. Like deep crap, yeah. because you're never, you're never curing it. You're suppressing it. So it's going to go somewhere else. Got to go somewhere. Yeah. It's going to go somewhere else or it's going to go deeper to its first reaction. Yeah. Cause the body, and this is what I try to tell people with the, with animals with skin. And it's so hard. Cause I, I, it's so freaking hard. I know it is, but your body is the large, your, your skin, the skin is the largest organ of the body. And so long as it's coming out of the skin, the body is innately smart enough to take its disease and its imbalance and push it out to something that isn't life-threatening. And what we do is go, no, 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 no. Don't come out this way. Stop scratching. Don't get stinky. Stop smelling. Do this, do that. And we just shove it back down. Mm. And if we do that enough, lo and behold, we have high liver enzymes. We've got high kidney values, we've got inflammatory bowel disease, we've got Cushing's, we've got like a gazillion different things, right? Because it just goes somewhere else, right? That's what it's going to do. Or it's going to keep trying to go out the skin and trash its liver and do all of the other stuff simultaneously. Yeah. I'm thinking of like, um, so a lot of our customers use like, and I don't, I don't want to, I'm not trying to go down this, this could, this might send you down a a different path here but like with <laughs> <laughs> with with like drugs like apoquil or uh cytopoint you know these immuno yeah. um suppressants that's essentially what you're talking about right is it's just suppressing the immune system it's getting it's just i guess getting rid of the symptoms but not really you're not doing anything to get to the root cause of the the issue no yeah. so it is that'll that's going to take me down a rabbit hole, but the rabbit okay. hole we need to probably go down, and that is that that sometimes you get there is a point where it's like, is this fair to my animal to feel like this, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And you haven't been able to find a homeopath, or you haven't been able to find a holistic vet, or you haven't been able to work with your vet that in tandem, where you can like go and see you guys. And then go to your vet and then, you know, like work in this like amazing synergistic process, which is my, which would be my goal, right? That would yeah. be my goal that everybody gets involved with the highest good of the animal and, you know, then let's just do, do this. Right. Yeah. 
that doesn't often happen. So what will happen is that people can't stand it. They, they're, they're like, oh, my God, like, I don't know what to do. So they go and the vet's like, well, if we give him this injection, he'll stop itching. He'll be he'll feel much better, blah, blah, blah. Who's not going to do that Sure. when you have no choice, sure. right? Saying that, I've also seen um, my <laughs> my biggest peeve, my biggest, probably one of my biggest pet peeves in the veterinary industry is this attachment to not going outside their comfort zone from a perspective of drugs. Because when I had my practice for a long time, like 25 years, and I worked with one of the smartest vets that I've ever worked with in my whole life. And we worked so well together because so one day I said to him, you know, can we just like, it was, it was actually with thyroid medication, the very first time I ever did it. And we had this cat with cats, they get hyperthyroid, right? Mm -hmm. And there's a, there's a really strong correlation between the thyroid and the kidneys and cats will get kidney failure really easy and they get hyperthyroid really easy. But when you suppress the thyroid really fast, often the kidneys are already unhealthy mm-hmm. and the high thyroid is is forcing the, 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 the kidney to function better than it's actually able to function because it's already mm-hmm. in kidney failure, right? Yeah. So you run in and you reduce this cat's thyroid because you think it's going to have a heart attack or high blood pressure and it's going to, you know, lose its eyesight, whatever. And, and then all of a sudden goes into kidney failure and dies, right? Because it's just so fast. So I said to Dave once, can we just try like doing this, like really slow, like really, really slow and, 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 measuring like doing lots of blood work and measuring it and measuring it basically how much does it drink how much does it pita like all that stuff so we started off with thyroid medicine and we microdosed it and we had amazing results we had cats that you know should have been probably on you know on their way out over three months living three more years wow. um sometimes five more years so then i started looking at doing it with drugs like mm-hmm. a lot of different drugs, like prednisone was yeah. the big one. Yeah. Right. So, and when I hear people go, I just stopped it, or I went to my vet and told my vet I wanted to stop it. So they just, they just did this typical, like, you know, one day on, one day off, one day on, one day off, and then they, they wean them off, but it's quite quick, right? It's quite, it's quite a quick process when you wean them off that way. Yeah. Um, We started experimenting with dogs that, that would they would do that and then they'd relapse mm-hmm. do that then they relapse do that and relapse and i said to dave why don't we just why don't we like is it really going to be so bad to 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 do this like is it going to be really dangerous whatever and um we both agreed that putting them on and taking them off and putting them on and taking them off even doing it correctly with the the exact you know protocol of how to wean them off was harder on them then risking us trying some stuff. Yeah. So how I look at that. So for everybody out there that's on drugs, um, because they, 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 they didn't feel like they had a choice. First of all, don't beat yourself up. But second of all, don't just take them off. And what I look, how I always did this is if they're on drugs, they stay on the drugs 
then you start to support them. And the first thing that you need to support them with something to decrease their cortisol levels so that they're not so stressed. So like a homeopathy or something going in with the non-reactive foods, try to keep their environmental stresses down from a perspective of the, the, the sheets and all that stuff. And then you're going to support their, their gut microbiome and their liver because their liver is their, their detoxification process is highly, highly sensitive and overreact and, and working overtime with those drugs. Yeah, sure. So if you're here and all of a sudden, or let's say, let's, this, here's the symptom and here's the drug. Mm -hmm. So you're pushing the symptom down, right? Yeah. What happens is you take them off that drug and 99% of the time they get a rebound effect. Yeah. So they don't just go back to here where they were when they went on the drugs. Yeah. They go here. Yeah. Because it rebounds back. The body goes into a rebound effect. Then all hell breaks loose. You go back on the drugs, the, the dog's body, the cat's body is all over the place as far as like immune suppressive and then overreactive and then suppressive and then overreactive and then liver's doing this. It's just a freaking nightmare. So what I, what I did is I'd like be like, okay, here we go. So we're going to, we're going to go here. We're going to support, 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 support. We're going to take everything out that we can. That's making this animal overreactive. Then we're going to go like this. Then we're going to drop the drug to here. Right. Then we're going to add a little more and get them a little stronger. And then we're going to go here. Right. It's like we, we step up to from the rebalancing, bringing back the homeostasis and we go down one of the drug. Like that's yeah. how slow I do it with really, really, really bad cases. And I'm going to be super honest. I had animals that we could never take off of Pred and, but they were on such a microdose and I'm talking microdose that I yeah. would fight with other vets, fight with pharmacists going, you might as well take them off because there's absolutely no therapeutic value in how much you're giving, right? Like you're yeah. just giving something, then there's no way that can work. Yeah. But we knew it did because we would take them off and they would, their symptoms would come back. And I put that down to, it, it, it didn't at first, it's like, well, doesn't that make you feel like you're failing that animal? I was like, are you kidding me? Like they, they're not having enough. It's going to like screw up their cartilage and then they're going to destroy their cruciate ligament, which mm -hmm. is what steroids can do yeah. um they they're not on enough to you know we're checking their blood work all the time they're not enough on enough to screw up their liver their cartilage they're not on it they're hardly on anything it's almost homeopathic right. how much they're on. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. such a small dose so then i started thinking and then it was like okay well i'll bet you it's because they don't have sex hormones they're in stressful situations there, you know, there, there, there's an obstacle to cure that I can't pinpoint the, to fix. Well, first of all, I can't put testicles and ovaries back in. Right. Right. So, um, but we always gave homeopathic canine ovaries or canine testicle or feline testicle, feline ovary homeopathic to all of our spay and neuter patients. 
everybody got that lifelong. They're on it for their whole entire lives. Yeah. So um, it, it's, it's a, there is no one way is the best way for, for animals. Sure. It's for anybody, for anything. And I, and I feel like it's a, a really important when people have their animals on drugs to start supporting them first. Don't think about getting them off the drugs right away. Like don't get all anal about, Oh my God, they have to go off these drugs. They have to go off these drugs. Don't, don't focus on that. Focus on building, reducing, building, reducing, building, reducing, building, reducing, and then even possibly fractionizing, right? Like, you know, and asking your vet, can I go from atopica or, you know, whatever immune suppressive drug they're on, could we maybe switch them to PRED, right? Because PRED's a really easy one to, to microdose, right? It's a, it's an easy one to do that. So, you know, maybe they could go, they could switch them over and then they could go on that and then slowly reduce them as you're building, right? As you're doing the building blocks. Yeah. Because then you're not, then you're not getting that rebound effect. Yeah. That's awesome. I've never, uh, I've never heard of doing something like that. Um, I did that for 20 years of my practice and I had such incredible results. That's amazing. Yeah, because we we have a lot of customers, and I didn't mean to shame anyone either. Uh, we, we have a lot of customers that are on, um, yeah, prednisone or or Apoquil or one of these, you know. Um, and I, I've seen a lot of people do exactly what you're talking about. Is like they once they learn about it, they just want to stop it. You know, know they get so scared. They get scared. You get yeah. So scared, you put them on it. Then yeah. you get so scared when you get enlightened about all this stuff that you take them off of it. Yeah. Right, and immune suppressive drugs are powerful. Yeah. They're really powerful drugs. You don't want to be bing, 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 you know, like it's just really, really bad for, to do that. It's really bad. You're better to just bite the bullet and stay focused and just lower them, you know, as, as slow as you possibly can. And then maybe switch them over to something that can be fractionized or, or microdosed even more and more, Um, you know, try and find a vet that, that, will do that with you. Uh, lots of them now will, I think. So that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. Yeah. And then, you, you know, finding when, when we're talking about gut health, it's paramount. Like it just has to happen. You know, it's, you know, I, when people say, well, why are they, why is there so much environmental allergies and, you know, sensitivities and stuff, you know, your hormones are so responsible for keeping the balance of everything in your body. And, um, you know, your hormones are regulated by your gut, by your gut, you know, so a a big part of your hormones are regulated by your gut and, and enjoy and exercise and things like, obviously things like that too. But, um, finding, finding, um, um, specific probiotics that, and, and, and prebiotics that have that postbiotic effect of immune modulation. That's a, that's a huge one because your gut tells your immune system, go high, go high, go high. And then it's like, okay, chill, 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 chill. Mm -hmm. So then what something happens where, you know, it, it, it overreacts and it goes up and it doesn't come back down. 
right? And then it starts to kill all of these things that it's not supposed to kill. So yeah. it's, it's, you know, different proteins, allergy, uh, al- you know, environmental um, uh, inf- things in the environment. So I, th- I think that finding something that does a natural immune modulation in your gut is, is huge. So turkey tail helps with immune modulation. Chaga helps with immune modulation. Larch helps with immune modulation. Our, um, our, our feline and canine species specific probiotic probiotic has immune modulation. Our wolf strain has immune modulation and that's been proven over and over and over again in all the scientific studies that we've done. So that's ideal is that Mm. your body is able to modulate its immune system. Oh my God, here comes bacteria, really bad, you know, virus or here, whatever. We're going to like increase our immune system. And then it's like, okay, chill out now. You know, you can, you can relax. Yeah. We've we've got that covered. You know, it doesn't stay up here all the time. Right. Yeah. I always tell people, um, we've talked about this before, but if people didn't hear like previous podcasts, I always recommend just rotating through pre and probiotics for this for this reason. Oh, I mean for a multitude of reasons. But a lot of times people wait until so till there's something wrong to start the 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 Asian. probiotics. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm always like my dogs are always almost always on, and I'm rotating through different ones. You know. Yeah, and now with our soil based one, it's really exciting because it's um it it it's a totally different thought process right like the the soil based one is to um bring in the diversity of soil that doesn't exist anymore you know so you know all of our all of our food well even if it's organic is pretty void of bacteria yeah you know it's growing in you know it's not growing in chemicals and it's not growing in glyphosates and it's not growing but there's no, you know, hardcore has to be grown in a regenerative soil, right? Yeah. Where they've regenerated bacteria back into the soil and things like that. So, so our, our food is so sterilized, even if it's, even if it's organic, mm-hmm. that we are a hundred million percent, all of us completely void of soil, soil bacteria. Yeah. So that's why we did the soil and sea and the, the, um, the, Prebiotic, um, chlorella is, is, is hugely important for the combination of the mineralization in the back, in the soil bacteria. It just creates this incredible postbiotic effect in the gut where it's, it's, it's sort of like a, you know, going back in time where, where we were eating soil that was once covered by the sea, you know? Okay. Yeah. We didn't screw all of that up by because all the sea bacteria would have been on there, right? Yeah. So um it's it's a it's 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 doing crazy, crazy good things for for the diversity of, of the gut. Yeah, I'm excited. I haven't used that one yet. I've done all the other ones, but I haven't I'm still using going through the wolf and then I'll rotate through that one. I'm probably I gotta go to the shop after this, so I guess I'll just I get excited about these things and then I have to go get them. And start incorporating them. <laughs> I'm I'm taking it, and I feel yeah. a big difference. Yeah, so that's amazing. I, yeah. yeah, I I started taking it when we first were researching it. Yeah, and um, really difference in in like 
bloating, my stomach bloating. And, um, um, I would, sometimes I, if I'm stressed, I'll get heartburn, like a type of a heartburn. It's mm -hmm. not, not really heartburn. I just feel like pressure. Yeah. Uh, that's completely dissipated. The, the, it's just, it's just interesting. It just proves to us how important diversity is Yeah. in, in, in to, to pay attention to, you know, what our, um, you know, what, what's lacking in our dogs, cats, horses, humans diet, not just from a perspective of, of food, but bacteria. All right. So we're going to stop here. Uh, with our conversation with Julie, and then we're going to pick it back up next week. So if you have a question that you want us to answer on our next podcast, you can find us a few different ways. You can send an email to danielle at fangsfur.com. You can find us on our website, fangsfur.com, or you can direct message us on Instagram at fangsandfurpets. The views and opinions on this podcast should not be used as an alternative to veterinary advice. We always encourage you to seek the professional advice of your vet. Before starting a raw diet, we encourage you to ask lots of questions, do your research, and speak with a qualified vet and or canine feline nutritionist.